Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Best Deal episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about the legendary best deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person executing it. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor possible. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith. Uh, I'm also the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, the one-stop shop for everything real estate investor related for tax, legal, um, business, uh, whatever you need, uh, we got it for you if you're a real estate investor. I'm here with my good friend, MC. Um, we're going to be talking about some really high-level stuff today. Uh, that we're not going to be talking just about the deals. We're going to be talking about the meta parts of the deal. Like what are all the pieces? How do they integrate together? Um, and then we'll be using some real world examples so that to walk you guys through uh, about what that looks like. So I'm looking forward to uh, being able to learn here a uh, lot on today's episode. And uh, so MC, kicking it over to you, man. What do people need to know about you to uh, you know, get a feel for you and, and what it's like looking at the deals we're going to be talking about today? My name is MC Lobsher. I'm originally from South Africa. I live in Bucks County, Pennsylvania now. So this is definitely not a Pennsylvanian accent that your listeners might be hearing. So I came here around 2001, backpack, suitcase, uh, sense of humor, sense of adventure, uh, traveled around. I ended up playing in a rugby league here uh, and uh, made the United States my home, uh, representing the United States in, in rugby up until 2007. Uh, right now, I'm the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast, where we share how to create income streams in the new economy and in the information age from real estate, businesses, uh, paper assets, uh, crypto and digital, uh, crypto, digital and blockchain assets. Um, and then also online businesses and commodities. And then I'm also the uh, president and chief wealth and investment strategist at uh, Producers Wealth, which is a, a um, wealth creation firm based out of Newtown, Pennsylvania, but servicing all 50 states in the United States and all the states up in Canada. Wow, that's fantastic, man. Um, that's like such a, such a breadth of knowledge here today. I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, where your kind of diverse experience relays into what that looks like, you know, for, for different deals here. Um, do you want to walk us through, let us, can you give us like a brief overview of what the deal is that you want to talk about and, and what that's like, you know, before you actually get into that deal? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think what would maximize value for, for all the listeners out there is, is uh, the strategies that we employ and then uh, talk about a case example of how to walk through it. So before you start, there's a lot of folks that they read books of investing, real estate investing, maybe they're friends that have invested in real estate, maybe they go to a couple of REI meetings, and then they just don't know where to start. So there's a, there's a little bit of uncertainty. There's that, okay, what's the next step kind of? Um, and then there's also that uh, that little voice in your head that says, you know, am I going to be able to do this? <laughs> I've read these success stories, you know, am I going to be the next Sam Zell or the next guy who fell, right? Um, so I think uh, there's a lot of uncertainty, um, not clarity, um, but excitement. I mean, because as us, we humans, we're, we're a strange species. Uh, we are driven by emotions. And I think initially, um, your um, emotional IQ is also a very big IQ. This is a lesson I've learned in my life. Um, and uh, that usually takes time to develop, especially when it comes to money, because we, that, that little, uh, that, what do you call it? That almost, that almost like um, reptilian brain drives a lot of behaviors, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of investing is the emotional side of what happens, right? A lot of times yeah. the tagline that we have for the show is that 50% investing is actually the deal itself. And that's how the numbers actually crunch out. And then the other 50% yep. is the people behind it. And what's going on with them that leads to the best and worst deals. All the great investors that I've interviewed um, here as a part of this show and that I've, I've become to know personally, they're either clients or, or um, you know, otherwise it's just fellow investors. All, every single one of them talks about how it's mindset. Yep. It's like how your, where your mind's at is actually what leads the day most of the time, whether you're going to be doing good or bad. Yep, absolutely. It's all about mindset. It's, it's, it's just so powerful. I, and I think uh, that's one of the biggest changes that I've made in my life personally. Once you switch from the scarcity mindset to the abundance mindset, it's just something else that starts to happen within your own life. You start to see different opportunities and you see them everywhere. Right. Um, and it, it ties into a little bit of rewiring too, because we, we come out of school and educational systems where that's based on a sort of a, uh, yeah, an agriculture and industrial age uh, mindset, right? A worldview of scarcity, not enough, always hanging on to it, play it safe. Don't stand out, be reasonable, all that kind of stuff where once you have, uh, once you establish that switch that leads to abundance uh, and an abundance mindset, you start to see all of these opportunities in front of you. Yeah, it's, it's wild, right? I mean, because when you think about it as people, you know, back in the day, right? Like you had to be scared of everything because if you were wrong about like the, the bush, like waving and being yep. like, ah, I don't think it's a tiger. <laughs> That's the only mistake you get to make once, right? Right. So like that's it. all those guys, boom, they dead. Like right. we're the guys that were like, nope, I'm out of here every single time, right? Yep. Um, but like in today's day and age, like our brains still click to the fear and the, the whatever the fear part is going to be, um, as just our default. And it's like it's not necessary today's day and age. Like you, you like you really can't screw things bad uh, up enough to die these days. Like you, you can't really try hard right. enough to be like, man, I really blew that up. I guess I'm dead now. You know, <laughs> right. Like that's the way it used to be back in the day. Like you made a mistake and you're over and today's day and age, it's like, mm, no nah, temporary setback. I'll go ahead and take another swing. And then the really, it seems like the guys that are really killing it are the guys that can get comfortable in the fear and to really like knock it out of the park. Yeah. You make a lot of good points. What we can't see is that unknown and that uncertainty, right? And when you start and even before a deal, sometimes uh, you don't see the path yet, maybe of the strategy. You don't see it in front of you yet, right? So it's still uncertain. It's still dark. And to your point, there might be a lion on the other side of that bush waiting for you or not, or there might be paradise. So, uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. And, and fear and greed drives all of our behaviors, uh, most of our behaviors. So it's, it's about, uh, especially emotionally, it's the survival instinct first, right? <laughs> so, uh, no, absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, you know, before we get diving into the systems and the deals, it's just about what that's like, uh, being in the dark. I mean, cause for a lot of people, uh, that I, I meet anyway, um, one, one of the biggest challenges they have is saying like, I need to have every point of this journey mapped out from A to Z and every sub point. Otherwise it's too risky. I'm not going to do it. But the reality is, is most entrepreneurs and what you're touching on here is saying like, no, there's always going to be a, a fog of war, so to speak. Like I can only ever see so far. And then, yep. but I have to have faith that when I get to that point that I have the tools and I have the connections and the resources and the people around me that are going to let me see like where to go from there. 
Yeah, I think, and that's the big thing uh, that that I've learned in my life too. It's 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 where I have more of a focus on preparation for anything that might come my way. I think it's from uh, the sports background that I have as well, where, yeah, you have a game plan, there's structures and, and of course, systems, processes and procedures in any sport, you know, take, uh, take American football gridiron. But I can tell you this, Tom Brady prepares for whatever comes. He has a game plan and he has a system, but he's prepared for things that he's seen things that he expects he could see and then things that he possibly won't be able to see. So I think that taking that same kind of approach and mindset to investing and wealth creation is, is very, very important where, look, you're not going to, you're not going to know everything up front when you, before you start, because otherwise you'll never start. You'll just study your entire life. Right. Uh, like some of the college professors, but if you're an entrepreneur in the real world, you're, gonna, you're not going to necessarily have all of the answers and all of the variables in front of you and be able to plan accordingly for every single possible scenario. So you're going to have to prepare and manage your, the downside risk and then also look at some of the rewards and the proper probability of certain things happening. That way you're going to position yourself and um, you're going to put yourself in situations where the probability of something happening is a lot higher uh, then the probability of not something happening. I think that's all part of investing in yourself, um, which is the thing that I talk about all the time, developing yourself as an asset first, because everything else is just vehicles, right? So that's, that's of course, one way of protecting your downside is making sure you're the asset and not necessarily just the stuff that you invest in. But yeah, you make a really great point. You're never going to have that path laid out right in front of you. Uh, here's the journey, go. You're going to have to figure it out. And by the way, there's a lot of rocks on it. There's a lot of things you could slip on along the way. But uh, by investing in yourself and relationships, people that you surround yourself with, um, uh, that's also on a journey is going to eliminate uh, a lot of the unknown variables. Uh, I think in the military, by the way, and I come from a military family in South Africa, they call it dislocated expectations. So when you drop off the special forces guys going into a certain place, you know, they prepare for whatever, whatever comes their way. Well, and part of that is, is uh, like an internal strength, right? Because to be able to take whatever comes your way means that you have to be okay with a lot high level of uncertainty. Right? Yep. I mean, just inherently, right? And uncertainty is typically the thing that most people are so afraid of. We, we crave something that's like repetitive. Yep. Um, I was just with uh, Aubrey Marcus, who's the CEO of Onnit over the weekend. Um, we had like a small, you know, group gathering and he was sharing with us some of his stories and he talked about it uh, being as part of like his book and his mastermind group that he runs now um, about being, it's like um, being prepared for service. And it's like, that's his big thing now, right? Because he's cashed out huge into it. And then now he's like, all right, well, really what it takes to come to like that level of wealth creation and be the level that I'm at now, it came like my company could only grow and my wealth could only grow to the extent that I could be a steward of it. Like I couldn't grow past eight people until I was ready to grow past eight people because I just, I would have lost control. I wouldn't have known how to handle it. So it's like we have our own internal checks that we put on ourselves um, until we're ready for it. And so he talked about it as being one of those pieces of saying that um, if you want to grow your wealth, the first place to start that zero risk is in building your internal wealth, like your internal building blocks for who you are as a person, and then letting, letting that kind of guide what's going to happen externally. 
and that people will gravitate to you and all this other happens, but it's a zero risk way of, of being able to jump into it and having those internal skills to, to weather the storm, you know, like we've all seen it, like where people don't have the internal building blocks well enough and then the storm hits and then all of a sudden they collapse into sand, right? And right. Right. I mean, you see that happen all the time, right? I mean, why in the world else do you have like the stock market drops and people are actually jumping out of buildings? Yep. You're like, whoa, what just happened to you, bro? Like you lived your whole life and built your whole life on sand. And then the moment that it dropped, you were gone. Absolutely. And and that's why the wealthiest families and individuals, they value uh, creativity, ideas, a philosophy, uh, they uh, principles and values, core beliefs, uh, and investing in themselves and investing in relationships more than things because they invested in themselves and they invested in their relationships. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, it's, it's relationships above all else, even though sometimes those can be the most annoying things to build. <laughs> and it takes time, right? You have to kiss yeah. a lot of frogs before you get to the a princess. A lot of frogs. And it's like the higher you get, the more frogs you're kissing, it seems like. You know, yep. into it, but it's, um, I always felt like a lot of times I feel like when I'm meeting people, I feel like I'm wasting time. I was like, man, I could be working, you know? <laughs> and there's something in my brain that's like, oh, that's not what working feels like. It's not just going and hanging out with people and talking to them, you know? Um, so I think, you know, it doesn't, it seems seemingly it doesn't matter what level you get to, you're always kind of button up against your own BS stories that you tell yourself, right? About like what it is. And you know, yep. even when you know the right thing, sometimes you don't do it anyway. You're like, yep. <laughs> That little voice, that little voice, you got to keep fighting and mastering it every day. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm excited now. Let's, let's, uh, to jump in to, to learning from you and, um, getting a, a stage set for, um, you know, what do we, what do we want to learn here on today's podcast that we've gotten, you know, some pretty deep, some pretty deep concepts out already. Um, MC, what, uh, what do, what do we want to talk about next? Yeah, so I think uh, before you start out, so you have to have a clear vision, of course, you have to have goals and objectives, and then also look at the strategy versus just, you know, the vehicle. So uh, the, one of the first things that I'll say is look at the strategy. If I was picked to go and play in the Masters at Augusta National, and somebody offered me and said, listen, you can either grab Jordan Spieth's a swing or his golf clubs, I'm going to take the swing. It's no question about it. You know, I could always get a a grab of different type of clubs. And that's the same thing with strategy versus just the vehicle. So a perfect strategy or as close to perfect strategy, what it means for me and what we talk about is positioning yourself, number one, right at the top as the asset. You're the number one asset. So always continuing to developing yourself and growing and and, and developing your value to the world. Um, And then the biggest investment within that strategy should be in yourself and then also your sphere of, uh, of I would say, uh, your sphere and your unique ability, right? Your high income skill set. So if you know real estate, that's, it. that's where you should stay. And if your business, for instance, is in one area and that's, that, that's what you're focused on, that's what you should stay. That's, that's what you should stay in because you have more control, which is the next part of it. How many times uh, do we have people that, think they have, they have a strategy, but they have zero control over that strategy. Uh, and then alignment and focus. Your strategy has to be aligned with what you want, the vision and goals that you want, and it has to be focused. You know, I have so many, uh, I see so many folks, they have accounts everywhere and an IRA here and a 401k, but, but they want to achieve financial freedom through real estate. And I'm like, well, that's not alignment at all. You, 
you know, wealthy, wealthy individuals, uh, Andrew Carnegie, for one, said, put all of your eggs in one basket and watch it like a hawk, which basically just means you have to focus everything that's aligned and push it towards your, towards your goals uh, rather than scatter it all over the place. Have minimal results or put it and focus it a certain way and have maximum re results. Um, and then efficiency. How efficient is it where your savings is positioned? How efficient is your asset positioning, right? And then the efficiency of income, which is why we invest in real estate. It's very efficient from a tax standpoint. So from a tax standpoint, not just to far, as far as your income, but as well as where your savings are positioned and where your assets are positioned. You know, efficient income for, for some of your listeners that might be thinking, well, MC, what is efficient income? Robert Kiyosaki's got the cash flow quadrant, the rich dad, poor dad author. Where on the left side, you have the E and the S. And on the right hand side, you have the B and the I. So the E is for the employed, S is for self-employed, B is for business owner, and I is for investor. Income on the right hand side of the quadrant is more efficient tax wise than income on the left hand side. So if you're a high income earner, don't stop what you're doing. Just find a way to transfer more of the income from the left hand side to the right hand side to be more efficient. And real estate is a great way to do that. Um, then protection, you know, uh, you have to make money, you have to protect it, and you have to multiply it. So a lot of folks make it rain. They make a lot of money, but they don't know how to protect it, which is the next step. I mean, there are just so many quotes out there from, from billionaire investors, Warren Buffett, Ray Dalio, all these guys about protection. So um, that, that's cardinal. And then risk management, as you said, uncertainty uh, is, 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 is a big, big thing. So how do we manage risk? There's political risk, there's economic risk, there's market risk, and there's institutional risk, uh, which in this case with real estate is the people managing the asset, right? If it's a syndication. And then dollar maximization. So one thing that I've seen in family offices, uh, I have a lot of friends in the family office space and, 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 and professional colleagues, is they always look at having $1 do many different things simultaneously. It's not just doing one thing and that ties into, again, the asset positioning of savings and then your, and, and, and the assets themselves. So you want to position things that they do many different things at the same time uh, because that provides momentum. Now you're compounding wealth and you're also multiplying wealth. And then of course you have to have an A team of players around you, uh, whether it's asset protection guys, whether it's uh, estate planners, whether it's insurance folks, whether it is property managers and so forth. You want to have a, a team of A, a, a players to, to help you implement this strategy. And you're, again, you're the CEO of this, you're in charge. They're just, part of your team, helping you achieve your goals. And then once you have all of those things in place, you also in the strategy want to be able to compress and collapse time. Meaning, is there a potential to achieve results in 10 to 15 years? What takes folks 30 to 40 years when you're protecting your money, when you're compounding it every single year, and when you're multiplying it, uh, it becomes, and, and you have the same dollar doing many different things, it becomes a real possibility uh, of that. Oh, that's awesome, man. Can, can you speak a little bit more about that? It, it piqued my interest here when you're talking about like family offices and how they were um, having $1 do many different things and how it was compounding, kind of like accelerating the wealth building. What does that actually look like in, in like, uh, you know, practical terms? Yeah. So, and, and I mean, that's one of the things that absolutely 
I mean, a lot of folks are looking and very intriguingly at family offices, and I do as well. Trust me, I, <laughs> I'm obsessed with this stuff. And it's amazing how they focus on, they spend so many, uh, so much of their time being uh, efficient with regards to wealth destroyers. So for instance, taxes, right? CPAs, tax strategists is a very big part of that because they know reducing their taxes by 20%, for instance, over the next 20 to 30 years, just this generation, then you have the next generation and the gener I mean, there's no return in the market that you're going to get anywhere uh, by being able to reduce your taxes, for instance, and being tax efficient uh, uh, of 20%. Uh, of how it ties in and how uh, products are integrate. Um, so that ties into, okay, we've seen the philosophical approach of a strategy. What's the mechanics? You know, what are some of the tactics? What does it look like? And so to use, a, to use an example of an investment. So if you're working with someone, uh, which we have a client, let's just say they want $360,000 of passive income per year which some of a lot of our clients, that's their goal, right? And they want to achieve it within the next 20 years. So let's just say um, they can earn a consistent return, maybe through a syndication at, at, at 8%. We know that over the course of time, $4.5 million need to be deployed, right? To generate that type of income on an annual basis. So now that's where the majority of folks would stop and just say, okay, over 20 years, sure, I could do the math. That's easy. We have that and that's done and dusted. When you integrate it, for instance, with a strategy that we call cash flow banking, a lot of folks have talked about it as infinite banking, uh, bank on yourself, pro private reserve strategy. Cash flow banking is using uh, overfunded high cash value insurance contracts, which is, 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 is based on uh, a whole life insurance with mutual insurance companies structured a very, very different way, trust me, than, uh, than what the public buys into the marketplace. What they then use, in, for instance, in these family offices is they would integrate the two and run the money through the, the insurance contract first and then basically take the money from the policy and invest in real estate. Now, why would they do that? Well, we talked about efficient asset positioning and savings. Uh, insurance contract, like the dividend paying whole life insurance contract, provides a guarantee, a guarantee on your principal, guaranteed growth every year, access to dividends. These mutual insurance companies that have been around for 200 years have paid dividends consecutively for over 100 years. And then by the way, not only does the money grow tax deferred, but also uh, the, it can be accessed tax-free, tax-free distribution. It's private. It provides asset protection in all 50 states. There's four or five states that doesn't have quite uh, protection as, as the other 46, but in most of them, it provides asset protection. So really, if uh, there's a lawsuit or somebody's getting sued, number one, they will know that most people have this. And number two, it's very well protected. And then the other thing is, uh, once you've funded this, and it grows predictably tax-free, it's private, There's, it provides, of course, a death benefit to transfer wealth efficiently to the next generation, but when you, when you access money, which you can do at any time, uh, and use it to invest in anything, you don't do it from your policy. You actually take, uh, it has the policy as collateral for the, the loan that you're gonna access using that policy as collateral. So, for instance, if you have $100,000 in your policy and you take, a $90,000 loan from that policy, you still have $100,000 in your policy that keeps on compounding and growing, 
where then the $90,000, you get to utilize that, borrowing it at 5% and then invest in, for instance, real estate. Now doing that with that same example uh, on the outset that you have and integrating it like this, uh, within 17 years, the same person would, would generate that, that goal, right? That cash flow goal. But they would also have almost $1.9 million extra tax-free. So now you have passive income and you have uh, a policy that, uh, that has money in tax-free, that can be accessed tax-free tax -free through strategies available at any time. And just a, just a dis disclaimer, uh, this is not in all cases. Everybody's situation is different. There's a lot of variables that come into play here. There's insurance underwriting. There's insurance rating, of course, the age. I mean, this was a male that was around in his 40s and also how much he contributed to, would contribute to that policy over the next 20 years. So there's many different factors. Every person's strategy is unique, but that's just an example of integrating two things, having $1 doing many different jo uh, jobs simultaneously. And when you integrate real estate, for instance, with something like this, Real estate provides cash flow. There's an equity buildup. Of course, there's tax advantages. There's appreciation, the opportunity for that. There's controlled leverage in real estate. Um, many of the same things that the insurance product have. So when you really get down to the nitty gritty and even the tax code, you know, in real estate, you have a 1031 exchange. In insurance, you have a 1035 exchange. There's a lot of similarities between the two. I didn't come from the insurance industry. I came from the real estate industry as an investor and discovered the stra the, these strategies and implemented it on my own. But um, yeah, and then we haven't even talked about the death benefit that provides uh, transfer uh, income tax-free up until a certain level to the next generation uh, over through estate. So it's just an efficient way to park your savings, an efficient way to protect your money, never losing money again because of stock market volatility and so forth. And then also maximizing the use of every single dollar in the most efficient way to achieve uh, an objective. And, and as I stated, yes, you would have achieved it without it, your cash flow goal in real estate. But guess what? Now you have an and asset. You don't have to choose between the two. So uh, you have a little bit of both. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And in terms of, you know, like I work a lot in the asset protection place, right? And then the, in asset protection, there's usually a range of options for what yep. makes sense depending upon like what people's wealth is, right? That it makes sense like, hey, you know, if you're buying one single family home, you probably don't need a Nevis offshore trust, you know, to protect what you got. Right. Um, I'm sure it's it's pretty similar with what, um, these types of strategies that you're producing here, like what is like a typical like benchmark that says, Hey, like once you, is it, is it typically like, Hey, once you start, you know, you're in the two comma club, then that's when you want to start looking at what it is that you're, you guys put together. Yeah. So it, it all depends. I mean, uh, you don't have to be a Rockefeller to implement some of the, 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 the strategies that the Rockefellers use uh, is what I always say. So you can start small. I started small, I uh, started building, building it up um, and started using similar strategies on a smaller scale. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if there, look, there's different, there's different type, type of clients. There's young clients that they don't, they don't have a lot of money yet. They're still growing, but they have a lot of time. There are certain strategies for that. 
Then there's older clients, I would say uh, six, 60s and up. They don't have a lot of time, but they have a lot more resources and a lot more money. And then there's folks in the middle, 30s and 40s, where their careers are really starting to take off. They're starting to make nice money. There's different strategies for those. So I think, I guess that the, the answer would be, yeah, you can start small and you can, st I mean, children's plans, for instance, is, is, another, is another thing where actually it ties into this family banking concept, right? Which, which, uh, which family offices is, is, have used it within trust, where if, uh, for instance, a child or a grandchild wants to access money from the trust, they take out a policy themselves because the trust would then be made whole when they are no longer there, right? So, um, yeah, so, I mean, children's policies can be set up even a couple of hundred bucks a month, really. Um, and the same thing for investors. You don't have to... You don't have to have thousands of thousands of dollars extra. You could start doing this on a smaller scale and start building it up. So is that what you, you guys uh, help with is like people that are even at the very, it's like coaching in a lot of ways of saying, here's like the initial set of products you would want for where you're at. And then here's where you need to be. Here's how the building blocks kind of grow on top of that as you, as you grow, or is it kind of like you need to start like with the end in mind exactly and say, okay, well, I know I'm going to want to have this in eight years, so I need to go ahead and buy that now. Or does it build on top of itself? It builds on top of itself. So how we work with folks is uh, I like to uh, think of that we're a wealth creation uh, a firm, uh, not a wealth management because we don't manage money here. Uh, we help people and we, we set up these policies with our insurance carriers to make sure that it's done correctly for them. Uh, so we, we, we set up the foundational piece of this, the cash flow banking, which is the centerpiece of everything that we're doing for investors, uh, entrepreneurs, and, and business owners. And then we review the strategy that we start off with. Um, and that's a big part that we bring in. We help with strategy. We help with introductions to A-team players, whether it be asset protection guys, whether it be estate planners, whether it be tax strategists, um, folks that they might need, whether it be syndicators, right, of real estate deals. Um, so that's what we, we bring together, this, this holistic approach of looking at your entire situation holistically because it's all connected. I think a lot of folks focus so much just on the income side of it and the return side of it where there's a massive opportunity uh, to recapture these opportunity quote unquote costs that are lost. But anyway, we work with folks on strategy uh, to be efficient. Uh, we help set up these efficient uh, uh, savings vehicles. We help folks, uh, for instance, um, uh, achieve self-direction to align other for potential IRAs or 401ks that's no longer really active. And then we review the strategy every six months with folks because, as you mentioned, Scott, things change uh, constantly, right? Families change, business change, investing changes. So we make sure that folks stay efficient, stay on track, um, and then make adjustments along the way because – and that's another part that, that's just super key is being flexible because things, things as you know, changes rapidly. We have, we, have, uh, we have market cycles continually. So we might be heading into a recession if you just look at historically every, every seven to 10 years where we're at. Um, so our strategy would change for that. Vehicles would change for that. Again, the golf clubs, right? If I'm in the sand, I'm not putting. Using, <laughs> I'm using using a sandwich, but the strategy and the swing, you know, is still the mechanics still stay stay the same because it's part of an overall approach to the game. That's cool, man. I mean, for what you're talking about here, I mean, this is some really high, some really 
high level information, like that holistic approach of how you look at it. I, I, it's something I've been advocating for a long time for, that's the only right way to look at this, that you can actually make an informed decision on what's going on. Um, but in my previous experience with that is that, you know, you, there's some ways that people need to start with that, which is typically like, here's some books you need to read, you know, because yep. you might not have $10,000 to hire high level consultants to come in and break down everything you need. Cause you know, if you don't have the, the assets to justify it, then, you know, read, start reading books first. So, I mean, of course, anybody that's sitting here, it's a two comma club or, you know, three comma club member, you know, coming in. Um, of course, those guys would just reach out to you directly and deal with you guys personally. But let's say that somebody else that say, you know, they would just want to dip their toe in the water of starting to explore what these holistic types of ideas are. What's the best way for people to, um, to, to start, you know, down that approach of learning what that holistic vision is? Yeah, there, there's quite a, uh, there's, there's a couple of books written on it. Um, I would say from an holistic one, I'll, I'll give three books that changed, that changed my life, right? The first one was obviously Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert K. Saki. That's the context. That's a paradigm shift, right? Of how you view the world and, and, the, and, and, and how you look at wealth creation. Then I like the 10X, the 10X rule by Grant Cardone that provides kind of the motivation Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. It shows a lot of the, the, the strategy around banking and how banks are so, why they're so profitable. Their business model is phenomenal. So we could just take the, the principles of banks and start to think like a bank, start to act like a bank and start to be a bank. And again, as you mentioned, Scott, you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to be uh, a, a millionaire or a billionaire to start doing that. You can, you can take that mindset right away and, and trust me, you, you'll start to see the world differently. That's fantastic, MC. And um, I mean, I really learned a lot from today's episode, just sitting here with you about just rethinking, you know, like how I need to go back and brush up on like, on, you know, putting those kinds of books back into my stack uh, of what I'm reading into. You know, I find that like a lot of times my mindset becomes a lot of what I'm reading and what I'm absorbing, you know, into it. And usually the more diverse of types of ideas I can get, the more flexible I am whenever a situation comes up um, to it. So it's, I think that's part of that holistic approach. So um, thank you for, yeah. for that reminder, you know, here today. And, and for everybody that, you know, wants to get a hold with you, um, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so um, there's a there's a couple of ways you can reach out to me. Um, uh, actually, through producerswealth.com, which is my company, Producers Wealth, and then also uh, there's a video series that I've made available to go a little bit more into depth of these strategies. They can access that at yourownbankingsystem.com, yourownbankingsystem.com, um, and then also the book Becoming Your Own Banker. If you're any of your listeners are interested in that, reach out to me. I'll, I'll mail out a copy to you. Uh, and you could just send me an email uh, to info at producerswealth.com and we'll take care of that. And of course, my podcast is cashflowninja.com if they're interested to learn more about cash flow generating strategies. Yeah, absolutely, everybody. Turn into the uh, Cashflow Ninja and drop it a five star review, you know, with what you got going on. And uh, so thank you so much, MC, for, for coming on the show today. Um, of course, I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith, with another episode here of uh, Real Estate's Nerds Podcast. Um, until uh, next week, everybody be good. That's all for this Best Deal episode, and I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith, with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. When investments go good, they can go great. Your legendary best deal could be your next one, so keep at it. Thank you for joining us, and if you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in those sleeping masses for what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. 
do your good deed for the day, and I'll see you again soon.